The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28 this morning. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to read, and uh, we have the privilege of having here, Pastor Nick is going to come and deliver the word to us here today as we really focus in on connection groups. And uh, our connection group Bible studies are going to kick off this Thursday evening. So he's going to come in a moment and talk a little bit about that and just kind of how maybe you can get involved. If you're not already involved in one of the connection group Bible study fellowships, I just want to encourage you to be a part of that here. Today, So let's uh, begin reading. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. Inside your service program that you should have received on your way in, there's an outline that you can use to follow along through the message. I hope it'll be a help to you as we study the Word of God together this morning. Here's what the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 28. Here's what the Bible says in verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying... All powers given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. How many of you, if you were to be honest, you would have to say, I love being told what to do. Raise your hand. Nobody. Such a shocker, right? Oh, we got Hayden, little Hayden. All right, he loves being told what to do. No, truth be told, if most of us were to be honest, we were to say we really don't like somebody coming up to us and bossing us around. We don't really like somebody coming up and telling us what to do. Now, on the surface, there's probably several reasons for that. One, it may be that we don't know if we really like the person who's telling us what to do. So it's kind of like, you know, who are you to tell me what to do? It may be that what they're telling us to do, we just really don't like doing that, and so we don't like being told to do that. But as you peel back the layers of the human heart, what you find is that oftentimes there's some deeper reasons for why we don't like somebody maybe telling us what to do. It could be just plain and simply that we're lazy. In this moment, my flesh does not feel like doing what I'm told to do. It could be that when somebody tells me what to do, I don't like that because it's almost in the front It's almost offensive to the illusion I have of my own autonomy. So it's like, I'm my own person. I don't need to be told what to do. And we kind of live under this illusion that, you know, I'm my own person. I'm the master of my destiny type of idea. Whether good or bad, being told what to do often will reveal something about the condition of our heart. And as you read through the New Testament, especially as you get into more of the Pauline epistles, oftentimes you're going to see a description of what Christianity is supposed to look like in the form of a command or an imperative. Uh, We just read one this morning, Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 through 20. This is Jesus' last command. And interestingly, it's also the first command that's given under the New Testament after Jesus died. So it's the first command there, but it's the last command given. And God, he gives us these commands. He gives us this um, uh, uh, illustration or tells us what a description of what Christianity is supposed to look like for several reasons. Uh, Oftentimes, God will give us these commands because he wants us to realize but there's part of our heart that still has yet to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. So when I'm reading through the New Testament and I see, man, this is a command, this is what Christianity is supposed to look like, and it doesn't match up with my life, that's revealing that, man, there's a part of my heart that has yet to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. That's an area I need to yield to Christ to allow him to work through me. Oftentimes he'll give us these commands so that we can be reminded on a regular basis of our daily need for the grace of God. Sometimes it's easy to think when we kind of get in our own bubble that, you know, we're Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian and we got it all together, 
and then you'll see a description of what Christianity is supposed to look like, and it, it's a reminder that way. I don't really have it all together. I still have some areas of my life I need to grow in. And then also, oftentimes, we're given these so that we can see what it is Christianity is supposed to look like. How does it look like to live the Christian life here on this earth? And so as we come up to this command, and as we look at Jesus' last command given on earth, I want to take us through a progression this morning. So I'm going to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, and I'm going to show you the progression that we're going to walk through this morning. The first step in the progression is here's what you must do, the command that's given. Here is what you must do. That's step number one. Step number two is here's why you can't do it. Well, that's encouraging, right? (laughs) Here's why in our own strength we cannot obey this command to glorify God. Step number three, this is where it starts to get encouraging, it starts to get good. Here's one who's already done it for you. And as you're going to see, that's time and time again Jesus. Here's somebody who's already obeyed this command for you. And then the last step is here's how by putting your faith in him, you can obey this command in a way that glorifies God. So this morning, as we look at what's often referred to as the Great Commission, as we look at Jesus' last command given on earth, don't leave here and think, okay, I've got to add that to my list of New Year's resolutions. Okay, I've got I to gotta go do that one too. No, as we preach this morning and as we look into the Word of God and as we study together, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me, is there an area of my heart that's unyielded to you? And then yield that part of your heart to the Holy Spirit. So I know we just read it a moment ago, but I kind of want to walk through it again. Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, so this is after his, res- or after his resurrection, just before his ascension. So this is literally some of the last things Jesus is telling his disciples. He's telling the church. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, Go ye therefore. So because God has all power in heaven and in earth, he's going to tell us what to do. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So the first part, he's really jumping into what we'll often refer to as evangelism. Now, a lot of times when we think about the Great Commission, this is kind of where we stop. And Jesus here, he's telling us to evangelize. He's telling us to preach the gospel to those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But as we're going to find out, the Great Commission is so much more than that. And so in verse uh, number 19, he tells us to evangelize. Go, therefore, teach all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then verse number 20, he takes it a step further. He says, teaching them to observe, get this, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. How many of you, if you were to be honest, you were to raise your hand and you say, sometimes I struggle with doing that myself. Okay, we're starting connection groups this week. Connection groups are all about being authentic. Let's all be real for a minute. Raise your hand. How many of you say, I struggle with that one? Okay. Some of us are getting it. All right. Now, let's be honest. Observing all things, everything. Raise your hand. My hand's up. Pastor's hand's up. All of our hands should be up. All of us struggle with this from time to time, to observe everything that Jesus tells us to do. That's a lot. So discipleship, great commission, it goes so much beyond just evangelism. Now, evangelism is important. I don't want to downplay that at all. If all of us were to raise our hands, we would say, we know somebody in our lives, whether it's a coworker or a family member, we know somebody who needs the gospel. They need to experience justification. They need to get saved. All of us would know somebody like that. But on the flip side, all of us at the same time, too, would have to be honest and say, man, observing all things, whatever Jesus commanded, that's a lot. And so as we're going to jump into the Great Commission this morning, we're going to see it's about evangelism for justification, and it's also about discipleship for sanctification. It goes beyond just giving somebody the gospel so they can save, although that is a vital, vital part. It also tells us to be disciplers and to disciple those around us. So as we consider these things this morning, I want to jump into uh, our first point, and that is simply this. Jesus' last command explained. 
Jesus' last command explained. As we look at the Great Commission, let's really kind of unpack it and see what he's telling us to do this morning. The Great Commission is just as much about discipleship as it is about evangelism. Now again, evangelism is important. We need to be sharing the gospel with those who do not know Jesus Christ. That's a big thing, and that's what Jesus is telling us to do. But he's also telling us to disciple them. He's also telling us to preach the gospel to them so that they can grow in their sanctification. You see, the Great Commission is all about preaching the gospel. We preach it to the unsaved so they can get saved. And then we preach it to each other, to the saved, so that we can grow in our sanctification. Jerry Bridges said this about preaching the gospel. He said, preaching the gospel to ourselves every day gives us hope, joy, and courage. The good news that our sins are forgiven because of Christ's death fills our heart with joy, gives us courage to face the day, and offers us hope that God's favor will rest upon us, not because we are good, but because we are in Christ. This is why it's so vital that we as believers are involved in discipleship, because it's vital that we preach the gospel to each other and to ourselves so that we can grow, so that we can have that courage, so that we can overcome sin, so that we can grow closer to Jesus Christ. On a daily basis, we need to be reminding ourselves of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why the Great Commission is so vital. It's vital not only for the evangelism of the world, but it's also vital so that we can all grow in knowing Jesus Christ, so that we can all grow in becoming more like him. We need to preach the gospel to our own heart. This is so vital. Oftentimes it's so easy to get discouraged, and we need to remind ourselves that we are loved and accepted in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes there may be a sin in our heart, and we're struggling with it, and we're battling it, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ has already defeated sin and the chains of that bondage have been broken. We need to constantly be preaching the gospel to our own heart, but not just to ourselves. This is also about preaching the gospel to others, so we need to be preaching the gospel in our families. Dads, let me say this. The most important thing you can do for your family is preach the gospel to them. More than buying them cool gifts, and I hope you can do that, but preaching the gospel to your children. Letting your children know that they are loved and accepted in Jesus Christ and that because they have a heavenly father who loves them, they have an earthly father who loves them. Preaching the gospel to your children. Preaching the gospel to your family. Also preaching the gospel to those in our connection group Bible studies with. As we jump into our connection groups this semester and as we begin to do life with each other, there's going to be moments where maybe you or somebody else in your group and they're struggling and you need to come alongside them, put your arm around them and give them the gospel. Give them the good news of Jesus Christ. They may be struggling at work. You need to remind them that Jesus can give them the strength to work. There may be somebody, and they're struggling financially. You need to remind them that they can put their hope in God because their God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And the Bible says his seed will not be forsaken. We need to constantly preach the gospel to one another. And then we also need to preach the gospel in what we'll often call our next step Bible studies or a one-on-one discipleship relationship. All of us need another Christian in our life who's just a brother or sister in Christ, and we're locked arms with them, and we're constantly, on a regular basis, just preaching the gospel to each other. That's why we have our Next Step Bible Studies here at Ambassador. You can, we have a whole list of studies that you can pick and you can choose, and if you want to grow in an area of your life, you can study the gospel and see how it's going to affect that area of our lives. We need to, on a regular basis, be preaching the gospel to ourselves and to each other. In order for a person to be truly obedient to the Great Commission— They need to be involved in discipleship. Discipleship. This is Jesus' last command explained. So for the remainder of this morning, I don't want us to think about this passage as the Great Commission as much as I want us to think about it as the Gospel Commission. This is Jesus telling us to preach the Gospel to the unsaved so that they can enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. To the unsaved because they don't have a relationship with God. Because the Bible says their sin literally makes them at war with God. They need peace with God. And then to the saved, to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can grow in 
our relationship with him. So that is what we must do. That's the first step of the progression. The Great Commission, this is what we must do. We must preach the gospel. But the next step is we need to realize that we can't do it. Consider how tall of an order it is. Jesus is telling his disciples to preach the gospel to, the entire, to all the nations. Not just preach the gospel to them for evangelism, but also for discipleship. Teach all the nations to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Consider that. That's a huge task given. That's a huge command. There's no way we can do that. Now consider when Jesus gave this. There was no radio. There was no television. There was no internet. There was no social media. And Jesus gives this command, and it's impossible. It's impossible to do on their own strength. Not only is it just such a big of a task, consider this. Our own flesh doesn't want to do it. <laughs> Nick Minerva in his natural state does not want to share the gospel. Nick Minerva, apart from the Holy Spirit of God, doesn't want to. I mean, I'll give you an example. On Tuesday, on my day off, when I am sleeping in and I'm enjoying it, and my little one-year-old crawls out of his bed, and I can hear his little feet run into my room, and I can hear him grunting as he pulls himself up on the bed, and he crawls over to me and right on my face. I do not want to share with him the love of Jesus in that moment. I want to say, go back to bed, you little sinner. <laughs> Our flesh doesn't naturally want to do this. Our flesh does not naturally want to show people the love of Christ and share the gospel with them. I'll give you another example. When I'm stuck behind someone in traffic, they're driving 15 miles an hour under the speed limit. Oh. It's funny how all of us, we think we don't drive too slow, we don't think we drive too fast. People that drive faster, we think they're nuts, and people that drive slower, you know, because we all think we're perfect, right? I'm no exception. When somebody's driving really slow, it bothers me. My wife gives me a hard time because when I pass them, she says I give them the Kermit face. That right there. I'm just looking at them like, really? Come on now. My flesh in that moment does not want to share the love of Jesus. My flesh in that moment does not want to preach to them the good news of the cross. When somebody offends me, when somebody close to me hurts me, and they treat me in a way that I don't feel like I should be treated. All of us have been there. We've all been hurt. We've all felt like we've been treated in a way we didn't deserve. In that moment, our flesh doesn't naturally just want to go, Jesus loves you and I do too. Thank you for being a part of my sanctification. No. <laughs> we want to let them know what kind of a jerk we think they are. That's our flesh. So not only is this command that Jesus gave us so big that we can never honestly do it, our own flesh fights it. Our own flesh doesn't want to do it. In our own strength, we can never do this. Now, maybe we could go through the motions of it, but that doesn't glorify God. We might be able to kind of put up a front, but it's not real. It's not coming from a place of genuine love and concern. We cannot do this in our own strength. So this is the command that Jesus has been given. Preach the gospel to the entire world. We can't do it in our own strength. It's too big of a task. But I want you to notice, here's where they get, the good news comes in. The weight of this command is not on us. The weight of the gospel commission, the great commission, it's not on our shoulders to bear. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus told us, it's an emphatic statement, I will build my church. Guess what? The weight of this command is not on us. The weight of this command is not on us to obey. So here's the progression. Here's what you must do. Evangelize and preach the gospel to the world. Here's why you can't do it. It's too big. We have our own remaining sin. We have our own brokenness we're dealing with. But here's the one who's already doing it for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, I will build my church. It's not a maybe, it's not a will. No, Jesus Christ is building his church. It's something he says, I will do. And literally, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Jesus is the one who's performing this. 
Which leads us to our next thought this morning. I want you to turn, if you would, to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. We're going to see how by putting our faith in him, this can become a reality. The book of Acts was written by Luke, the person who also wrote Luke's gospel. He was a physician. And in Acts chapter 1, we see Luke giving his account of Jesus' ascension and the Great Commission being given. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them, this is Jesus, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but what's that next word? But what? Wait. Get interactive, but wait. Why? But wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Here's the truth. The reason Jesus told his disciples to wait is because he knew the command was too big for them to do without some kind of supernatural power. Jesus says, you need to wait because you cannot do this in your own strength. Jesus said, don't try and go out and evangelize the world and disciple all the nations in your own strength because you can't. That's why he told his disciples, you need to wait. Then the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And then look at verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. He's giving us power to accomplish the command he's given us. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And after you receive that power, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll be witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, once the Holy Ghost comes upon you, this is just going to happen. Once the Holy Spirit enters into the picture, once you have that power, then, yeah, then you can be witnesses. Then you can uh, obey this command, which leads us to our next thought this morning, Jesus' last command, empowered. We've explained it. We know what it is, okay? It's preaching the gospel to the unsafe and to the safe for evangelism and for discipleship. Both are necessary parts of the great or the gospel commission. That's it explained. We understand it, but we also understand we can't do it. Jesus understood that as well. That's why he said, you need to do this with the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit comes, then you will be witnesses. Once the Holy Spirit enters this picture, it's the natural result. Preaching the gospel, fulfilling the gospel commission for evangelism and discipleship as a result of a Christian being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. As you study out the book of Luke and the book of Acts, you're going to notice something interesting. Every time the Holy Spirit comes on a person, they preach the Word of God. In the book of Luke and Acts, every time the Holy Spirit enters the picture, somebody begins sharing the gospel. Somebody begins sharing the Word of God. It's almost like Luke is trying to tell us something. That the gospel goes forward. The mission of God goes forward. The purpose of the church goes forward. When us, regular people, are filled with the Spirit, as we go about our daily lives, as we go into our work filled with the Spirit, the gospel is going to go forward. As we go about our daily routines and as we go about our daily lives, kids, as you go to school filled with the Spirit of God, the gospel is going to go forward. Many people who are, many of you here today, you're here today because a friend invited you and you now call the Ambassador Baptist Church your home because a friend, another person, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, invited you to come and be a part. Many of you, your lives have been impacted, not necessarily because of some great servant, not necessarily because of some great program, but because another individual filled with the Spirit of God shared their life with you and shared Jesus with you. You see, as we allow the Holy Spirit to have control over our lives, we will just naturally begin fulfilling the Great Commission. We will naturally evangelize. We will naturally disciple. The truth is, giving and receiving grace from people who are very different from us isn't natural. It's not a natural thing for us to do, but once the Holy Spirit fills us, then it naturally flows from our heart. If we're to be honest, our high, highest obligation of love is to ourselves. 
important to be transparent. We're really good at looking out for number one. We're really good at doing, saying, and feeling whatever makes us feel good or whatever we want. But you know what I find really interesting? How did Jesus tell us to love our neighbor? As ourselves. It's like he's flipping that on its head. That's our highest obligation of love in our natural state is to love ourselves. And Jesus is saying, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to love other people in that exact same way. We see modeled in Acts chapter number 2 what the Spirit is desiring for us to look like. As we begin transitioning from Acts chapter 1. So Acts chapter 1, the Spirit of God comes down on the disciples. And then Peter stands up, filled with the Spirit of God, and preaches at Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. And a massive evangelization event just took place. 3,000 people got justified. 3,000 people get right with God. They get made at peace with God. And then as you switch over to Acts chapter number 2, you're going to see the next part begin to happen. Acts chapter number 2, we see verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Which leads us to our last point this morning, and that is this. Jesus' last command exhibited. Jesus' last command exhibited. As you study out Acts chapter number 2, you're going to get a beautiful picture of the church. And you're going to get a beautiful picture of what it looks like for a group of individuals filled with the Spirit of God, allowing the Spirit of God to work through them. We're going to see just the natural result of what takes place. Let's look at Acts 2 verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, those that just got saved, those that just got justified, the gospel was preached to them for their salvation, and they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They gladly received his word, then they were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people just passed from death to life. They now have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the picture doesn't stop there. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. I just want to stop right there. This is why we do our connection groups the way we do they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They're being discipled in the Word of God. That's why at our Connection Group Bible studies, every week we write lessons that help us dig deeper into the Word of God. Not just so that we can learn more intellectually, but so that we can learn to live it out. So that we can get practical. So, we, hey, this is what we heard preached. Now let's flesh it out in our daily lives. It says, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in it. They were doing it. They were living it out. That's why at our Connection Group Bible studies, we write questions that help us apply the gospel to our lives every week. Because every week we need to be reminded to continue in the good news of Jesus Christ. Continue in this doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You get the idea that they just didn't see each other once a week. No, they fellowshiped with each other. They did their lives together. Fellowship is such a vital part of the discipleship process. Opening up your life so somebody else can come along and do it with you. So they can see what it looks like to live out the gospel on a regular basis. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's why our Connection Group Bible studies have activities on a regular basis. Because we realize that does something in your heart. It knits your heart together with other believers. And that's what we see being modeled here as the Holy Spirit filled this church, as the Holy Spirit worked through this church. This is what they did. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. I love that verse. They ate together. They just, they, they did, this is how much they were doing life together. In the simplest things, they ate. There's something very, very spiritual about eating some of you are like, Nick, you need to grow in that spiritual discipline. I know. <laughs> the truth is, that's why, that's why we have dinner at all of our Connection Go Bible studies. I know it's not always convenient, and sometimes it's, you know, it, it's hard, but there's, a, there's a, an important aspect of this. They're eating, their bellies are full, and their hearts are open. They're continuing in this. And lastly, they continued in prayers. 
Our connection group Bible studies are such a place of prayer. I love hearing stories from different connection groups about answers to prayer. I love it when I see people on a Sunday morning not just share a prayer request and they move on, but they literally, they'll, they'll just stop right there and pray. I love it after a service when a group of people will get around another Christian and they'll just they'll put their hands on them and they'll just pray. That's just a natural result of the Holy Spirit working in their hearts as they lived out the Great Commission, as the Holy Spirit did this work through them. They naturally just, they shared in the Apostles' Doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's why our connection with Bible studies, they're places of prayer where we can come and pray with each other and see God work and see God answers these prayers. Verse number 43, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done among the apostles. Get this, verse 44, And all that believed were together and had all things common, verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So get this, literally, they're in, their, they're in their small groups of Bible studies, they're in the church, and somebody else in the church has a need. And so literally, this guy over here is like, man, that person over there has a need. I have some extra. I have an extra car. It's not a necessity. It's a luxury. I'm going to sell my car so I can come over here and help meet this person's need. Say, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. It's just a natural result of the Holy Spirit working in these people. There's a person over here, they, they need gas money to get to work. They're not being unwise with their uh, finances. They're not being bad stewards. They're just, you know, going through a rough spot. They need gas money. So we're over here like, you know what? I can do without Starbucks this week, so this guy can have gas money. Literally, they're selling their stuff. As Americans, we love our stuff. But literally, as the Holy Spirit of God was doing a work in this church, that's why they just, uh, hey, I, I, can, I can help. I can sell this, and I can help meet this person's need. You don't notice somebody going up to Peter saying, Peter, this guy has a need. What are we going to do about it? No, they just, hey, I can help. I can, I can sell something, and I can help meet this person's need. That's why in our Connection Group Bible studies, on a regular basis, on a regular basis, you hear stories about people getting together and buying groceries for a family in their group. I was in one group, and they, they found out about a need from somebody in the church, and the group got together. They took up an offering, and they met that person's need. On a regular basis, our Connection Group Bible studies, they're, they're, they're modeling this, not because it's something they have to do, but because the Holy Spirit of God is working it in them. And as the Holy Spirit of God works in them, this, this is what it begins to look like. Just the church being the church. The ch- you say, why, why do we do connection group Bible studies? Is it, is it because it's the trendy thing to do? Is it because it's, you know, the latest? No, it's just the Holy Spirit of God working in us. I mean, if you study the history of small groups, you'll see hundreds of years ago, even study out the Welsh revivals as a result I mean, they didn't call them connection groups or small groups, but there's a small group of people that got together outside of their regular church time, and they did life together. They studied the Word of God together. They prayed together. It's just, it's, it's, it's what's happening in the book of Acts. It's just a natural result of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now get this. 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. As the church began to grow, some scholars believe the church got up to five or even 10,000 people. That's a huge church. Back in the day, they didn't have an auditorium that would fit 10,000 people. So, so what did they do? Well, some of them met in the temple. That's why we have some connection group Bible studies. They meet here. They met from house to house. That's why we have connection group Bible studies. They meet in different people's homes. The Bible says that they, they met daily from house to house. That's why we have groups on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Why? You just get the sense that these, they're just, hey, let's get together and let's, let's be the church. <laughs> you have a need? Okay, I'll sacrifice so you can have that need met. Hey, let's get together on Monday and let's study the Word of God together. Let's pray together. You just get the sense that this was just, 
naturally happening as the Holy Spirit of God began to work in their lives. This is what it begins to look like when we as Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It begins to look like a real community. It becomes a family. That's why we do our Connection Group Bible studies. Because we want to create an environment where the Holy Spirit of God can work in this manner. Where we, what, what we see here isn't just this, man, that's a great thing, and if revival happened, maybe we could get back here, but we're to, this, is, this is normal. This is just how we live our lives. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is working through us. As we look into the Scripture and see what's commanded, and as we look into the Scripture and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, this is what it will begin to look like. Now again, if we're not careful, we can go about our lives and we can go about our, our daily routines, and we can get to the point where it's just like, ah, our flesh doesn't want to do that. You know, when we, when we hear this talked about, I'll be honest with you, I'm a pretty introverted guy. That scares the living daylights out of me. <laughs> what? Do life with people every day of the week? Uh-uh. You know, by myself, natural Nick is going to go be a hermit. But as the Holy Spirit of God wants to work through us, he's going to call us out of that. And he's going to grow us and he's going to stretch us. Now, it may look different for the extrovert or the introvert, but the Holy Spirit is going to work in and through our lives. And as we see what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, we have several ways we can respond. A lot of times, we'll, for be honest, we just flat out don't do it. We know it's what God wants us to do. We know the Holy Spirit is wanting to work in us and through us, but we'll quench the Holy Spirit. We'll deny that. We'll give in to our flesh, and we'll just disobey. Sometimes, though, we'll go through the motions of it. You know, I don't want people to think I'm disobedient, so I can put up the front. I can go through the motions and you know, I'll just go through it or whatever. But that doesn't ultimately glorify God either. What the Holy Spirit is wanting us to do is just yield ourselves to him. Holy Spirit, I am your vessel. Use me as you see fit. Holy Spirit, I'll admit my flesh doesn't want to do this. I'll confess that this is not my natural tendency, but Holy Spirit, I'll surrender to you and let you use me. A couple months ago now, I had a ministry opportunity. That, to be honest with you, I, the opportunity was presented to me, and my flesh did not want to do it. I was tired, I was exhausted, um, it was late at night, I was just, my mind wasn't sharp, I say it was late at night, it was 6 o'clock, um, that's late for an old guy like me, okay, I, I, there was nothing in me that wanted to do this, okay, I was just, no, I, I don't feel, I don't feel like doing this, and I had those three choices, I could flat out disobey, now my work ethic wouldn't really let me do that, because like, oh, I can't just not do that, so more often than not, what I tend to do is I just go through the motions, all right, well, let's get this over with, you know, but that doesn't glorify God either. And in this one particular instance, I had about an hour till I was supposed to be here, and I, I realized, man, my flesh doesn't want to do this, but I don't just want to go through the motions either, so I prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do this. I confessed my lack of desire to God. I confessed my own inability. I said, Holy Spirit, would you just use me? I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. I don't have the mental capacity to even do any of this. But it was amazing, as I yielded to the Holy Spirit, I didn't instantly get this high. I was like, yippee, let's go to it. No, it wasn't like that. But as the Holy Spirit began to work through me, it was amazing how he gave me the desire. He gave me the strength. My mind was sharp enough. And ultimately, God was glorified in that situation. Because Nick Minerva, some super Christian? No. Because the Holy Spirit of God was the one doing the work. The Holy Spirit was working through me. So this morning, as we look at the Gospel Commission, as we look at Jesus' last command, if there's a part of this, you, you, you see what's modeled in Acts chapter number 2, and you're like, man, if I were to be honest, there's parts of that that my life doesn't look like. 
Don't just leave here and think, I've got to try harder. No, leave here and just surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work through you. You see, all of us, if we're to be honest with you, we have seasons like that. We have moments like that. You've all been really wanting to know what was underneath this, huh? Yeah, I'll bet. It's a garden hose. That's really anticlimactic, right? No, but this is, this is a sprinkler. You say, wow, Nick, that is deep. I know. The sprinkler. This sprinkler has one job, one purpose that it was created for, to water grass. Man, we are getting really profound right now, right? This is, this is going to change your world right here. No, this has one job, water grass. That's it. Now, in and of itself, it can't. Right now, the way I'm holding this, it cannot water grass. No, it can go through the motions. I can come over here and be like, well, that ain't going to do anything. Why? It doesn't have any water. There's no water running through this. This, in and of itself, has no ability to water any kind of a grass. has no ability to fulfill its purpose, its mission, the reason it was made. But, when you connect it to the source, it's amazing. Turn on the water, and it goes. It doesn't have to do anything different. It just connects to the water, it connects to the source, it connects to the power, and the grass gets watered. You get enough of these together connected to the source, and you can water a football field. You get enough of them connected together, you can water a whole golf course. Whole fields you can water. Because this is some amazing... No, it's just a tool. But it's connected to the source. You see, as Christians, we're a lot like the sprinkler. We have a purpose. We've been given a commission. We've been given a mission from God. But in and of ourselves, there's no way we could do it. By ourselves... We can't. Now, this sprinkler, it can give itself a really good pep talk. All right, turn just this way, turn just that way. But unless it's connected, it can't do anything. And as Christians, sometimes we'll do that. We'll give ourselves this really big pep talk. Woo, rah, rah, we can do it, we can do it. But we never connect to the source. And just like the sprinkler is nothing more than a piece of plastic unless it's connected to the source, we as Christians can never fulfill our purpose and mission unless we're connected to the source. So let me encourage you. This semester of Connection Group Bible Studies, I promise you there will be weeks you don't want to come. Just connect to the source. Don't rely on your discipline. Don't go because you have this sense of duty. Don't go because it's like, I wonder what people think. No, connect to the source. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through you, and then you can fulfill your purpose. There will be moments when you are intimidated to share the gospel with somebody who is unsaved. Well, the Holy Spirit will be working in your heart, and he'll be pressing in you. Go give the gospel to that person. They need to be introduced to Jesus. And your flesh will be intimidated. And your flesh will be scared. And you, you'll wonder, maybe I don't have the right words to say. Maybe I don't. No, just connect to the source. There will be moments when somebody in your group has a need. And you, you, can, you can meet that need, but you're not sure if you want to sacrifice. Just connect to the source. Surrender. Yield to the Holy Spirit. And allow him to work through you. Maybe you're here today, and the idea of jumping into a connection group scares you to death. It's out of your comfort zone. Sharing life with people, man, that is not my personality. Let me encourage you. Just connect to the source. Don't add it to your list of New Year's resolutions. Don't feel like you can muster up the strength. No, yield to the Holy Spirit of God and allow Him to accomplish His mission through you. 
Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.